How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite swim bait podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 108. And uh, we, we just got done talking to Jeff uh, last Monday, I think, is when you guys will be hearing, hearing Jeff's episode. So you guys just listen to Jeff. We were just talking about Arizona, talking about how hot it was, that intro. We were talking about how hot it was and his AC going out and stuff. And now we're, uh, we're kind of moving to the opposite side of the country. We're up there in New England, uh, more so New Hampshire, which, uh, you know, it's, prob- it's probably warm up there, but it's probably not as hot as it was in Arizona. So uh, this is a nice change of pace. First New England guy I've talked to in a little while. And actually, um, we, we got connected through, through the emails for the, uh, for the zine because he submitted some pictures and we kind of exchanged some emails and got, got each other's numbers and we talked about it. So, uh, so we're, we're recording a podcast now. So tonight we're joined by Mr. Mike Ganley, who is, uh, like I said, a, a New Hampshire resident, New England uh, swim bait guy. And we're going to kind of learn his story and obviously pick his brain about that New England fishing because I think that is probably the most unique fishing in the whole country. I always really like talking to these guys because it's just something completely different that nobody else really kind of that I talk to or I know gets to experience like those those super early winter, you know, late winter wake bait bites and stuff after ice out and shit. It's always it's always super cool to hear their stories and kind of hear how they're catching their fish because you guys have super big fish over there, whereas over here you know, directly west of you guys. It just doesn't seem like we have that same caliber of fish. So I'll stop the uh, the long-winded intro, and I'll let Mike introduce himself, and we'll get the ball rolling tonight. All right, Adrian. How you doing? How you doing? I'd like to thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, dude. I uh, You sent me those pictures, and, and dude, you sent me those pictures, and I was like, damn, this guy, like, these are some big-ass fish. And, and uh, we kind of talked about how how you were catching him on the toxic and stuff. And I was like, man, I, I, I want to get him on. I want to kind of pick his brain. It's like, like I said, it's always interesting to talk to you guys. You know, I talked to the scrutiny guys. I'm not sure how close you live to them, but you guys could fish the same body of water and have completely different stories or even the same stories. And I would just be crazy invested because it's just so freaking cool with what you guys are able to do and in, in the, in the quality of fish you guys have over there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those scrutiny guys are not too far from me. Probably within like, a, I think they're from Manchester, right? uh yeah one of them lives in manchester yep yeah manchester is only about 20 25 minutes from me i'm in nashua I'm, i was originally from massachusetts i moved to nashua in like 2020 okay yeah i, I won't lie that doesn't mean much to me but i'll uh i'll take what yeah, you're saying yeah. nashua is southern new hampshire southern okay new hampshire. okay um but yeah dude so you kind of so it sounds like you've been around that New England area your whole life, more or less, right? Growing up and stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've been fishing in New England since I was like four or five years old. Damn. So we, some guys in New England, you know, they 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 talk about their start, and you know, I feel like a good a good you know fifty percent of the time it's they got into saltwater fishing first. You know, their dad was a was a boat captain or worked on a boat or whatever, and that's kind of how they got out on the salt or you know, they were fishing ponds and stuff. So how did that start for you? Were those, are those similar stories to how you got into fishing? So that's funny you say that because my whole family and my father included are like big saltwater guys. My brother is catching like seven, 800 pound tuna. Like right now he got one like two weeks ago. We've been, we've been eating it for two weeks. It's delicious, but I don't go, I don't go out on the ocean. I get motion sick. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I started, I started like when I was a young kid, me and all my brothers started freshwater fishing when I was a young kid. We used to go up to like uh, Maine in the summertime on vacation. You know, my dad would send us down to the dock with like 
worms and bobbers and stuff where they all went up partied at the house you know yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah my father was big into bass fishing and uh that's where it started we used to like raid his tackle boxes when we were kids for baits hell yeah dude and was your family like were they interested in freshwater or was it just more or less a vice to to get the kids to go play while the adults did their stuff and then saltwater was the main um the main interest for the family well my father was like a big freshwater bass fisherman when i was like really really young and all the tackle we took like i've been stealing his tackle ever since i was like five all the way up to like probably 12 14 years old Uh because he kind of got out of freshwater fishing when i was really young and started in saltwater but like i said it was great for me i had like bait casters you know jitterbugs and crankbaits we used to take he had like packs of you know, tubes, worms, hooks, like everything we could need, you know, and I'm, I'm young enough to where like, I don't have a job. I can't buy my own stuff. So like that, that was really how I started, you know, but then like in probably 2006, 2007, I got my own boat. I got like a 1432 tracker John boat with like a 55 pound thrust, uh, Minn Kota on it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to get out on the water, like regularly. I still had no idea what I was doing back then, you know, but, um, you know, I was throwing like Texas rigs, spinner baits, jerk baits, um, specifically the Berkeley seven inch power worm in motor oil color. That was like, yeah. my, you know, my go-to. And then from there, like I got a little more serious. I got into jigs, jerk baits, stuff like that. But once I got into jigs, I, I was basically like a strict jig fisherman for like the next, like, I don't know, probably five to six years. That's like the only thing I really fish. Still to this day, most of my biggest fish are on a jig. Damn, dude. I, you know, everybody talks about how the jig is like, you know, jig and big worm are like big fish conventional baits. And dude, I could count on, I could count on two hands how many fish I've caught on a jig. I don't know what it is. You're doing yourself a disservice. You just got to learn to fish a jig. I never got into it. Like, like for smallmouth and stuff, I could catch smallmouth on, on smaller jigs, like the three eights, uh, bitsy bug and stuff like that. But yeah, 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 yeah. like big football jigs and mop jigs and stuff. I just, I never got into it, but, but flipping jigs like that, obviously that isn't necessarily the same exact thing, but you know, I can catch a fish on a flipping jig and some reeds and stuff or some pads, but it was never like open water, uh, structure fishing jigs. I just, I never, even now I don't have a lick of confidence doing it you can fish it the same exact way like just how you pitch it into like weeds and stuff like that you know you pitch it into a little pocket but you know it's like a little clearing in the weeds pitch yeah. it in shake it you do the same thing on like a deep rocky point you just pitch it out there and shake it you know it's really yeah all you gotta do. i say i'm like an advocate of just letting it sit you know I'll, like i have i have video footage of me fishing jigs like mm-hmm. from from shore i just like set up my phone as a camera because yeah. like i knew i was catching fish but some of the retrieves would be like four or five minutes on the, 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 the bait would just be sitting on the bottom and the bass pick it up. Cause jigs have what's called like a secondary action. The skirt yeah, like floats around in the water. So mm-hmm. when a bass swims up to it, you know, it flares its gills, the bait will move. Even if you're not moving the bait, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that's really what I think. Cause most of my bites on a jig are either as it's falling, which is like half of my bites, or while it's just sitting dead on the bottom. Yeah, I think I just never gave it enough time because I was either 
when I was younger, like before uh, fish and swim baits, majority of the time, it was either a tube or uh, or a drop shot because that's just what you do in the north. You drop shot or you fish a tube, and yeah. you know all the. I knew all the little tube tricks. Put elka seltzer in it. Put earplugs in it so it sits up like a craw at the bottom. Just really? do all this. Elsa in it, huh? Yeah, yeah, because it'll leave a bubble trail. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. You can rig it backwards. Just uh, put a glass, like a jig glass uh, bead tube in there. Just you can do all sorts of stuff with a tube. And essentially, I mean, it's the same thing. It, it's got that secondary action with the little tentacles on the back, and and you're just dragging it along like you would a, a jig. And it was just the primary thing. I mean, my PB, well, my old PB smallmouth, uh, a five six, came off a. Uh, uh, two and a half inch tiny tube and I was just dragging it around some docks and stuff and it was just that's just kind of what I grew up doing I kind of skipped that jig because I was fishing on shore and it was a lot of like docks and, and huge huge chunk rock and stuff that you were drop shop drop shotting okay. around so it was just kind of like jig was the jig was the foreign thing unless I was on a boat and we were flipping pads that's something like I would I would pick a jig up three words lake pro tackle Lake Pro Tackle has all the fishing equipment you need to have success on the water. Friends of the podcast will receive 15% off their order with code SCALES at checkout. On their website, you can find exclusive and rare baits as well as rods and reels to have that dream combo. Check out their social media pages for constant updates with new arrivals. Lastly, orders over $50 get free fast shipping. Remember to use code SCALES, all cap locks, to save 15% off on your orders at lakeprotackle.com. Your favorite swimbait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a Depths 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hear you. I when I fish like up in the mountain lakes, like where there's more chunk rock and stuff, like you're talking about, I'll usually pick up a drop shot, like a Ned rig, for as far as finesse stuff. I typically don't throw jigs. Where I fish around here, it's a lot of slop, like yeah. no foil and and pads and stuff like that. But uh, I see, I can see how you strayed away from the jig with like those type of fishing conditions, you know? Yeah, and it was even like our inland lakes um when we'd have super hot summers it would just get super gnarly with grass and stuff so there was like never that potential to drag a jig around like we didn't have hard soot bottoms like it was soft soot with with huge hydrilla weeds and stuff so it was kind of like ah you know you're you're fishing finesse or you're power fishing through the through the pads and weeds so i mean i would love dude i would love nothing else to go out there with 17 20 pound you know, mono or, or just whatever and go out there and just lay them up with a, with a jig. But I just, I unfortunately never had that experience. And so I just lack so much confidence in it. Yeah. That's the thing. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to, you're not going to throw it and you're, mo- and you're going to be less likely to catch fish on. Yeah. See, like when I, when I, when my jig's sitting out there doing nothing, I'm, I'm as confident as can be. I'll sit there and just wait. You know? Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like I said, I'd love to. I could probably mess around with it in the river now that it's kind of a little rocky and and not as weedy as my lakes and stuff up at home. But I don't know. It's kind of like that secondary thought where I'm picking up a six inch glide bait because I want to go catch smallmouth on a glide bait rather than rather than beat the rocks with a jig and, and yeah, you know, I, some heads I, off. I hear yeah. I I'll fish a swim bait 
I'll prefer I prefer to switch fish to swim bait whenever I can get away with. Yeah. Yeah. So you uh you talked about being, you know, that what, 2006 you said right around 14 or so where where you got your boat and kind of started, you know, getting your own stuff, stop stealing your dad's tackle and and obviously the jig sounded like that was kind of glued to your hand up until what probably your 20s or so, mid 20s, early 20s. Yeah, I'd say I had a jig in my hand. Well, I was fishing conventional up until like 2015 is when I first got into swim baits. Oh but shit! The, yeah, it took a few years to to really like get into it. You know, I kind of just had it in the back of my boat. It was almost like comical when it first started. Like, you know, I had like the spro rat. And, like, I remember my first fish I caught on the spro rat. Like, we're all dying laughing how how funny it was that we caught a fish on this rat you know but um yeah so i fished conventional probably from yeah 2006 pretty seriously till like 2015 so yeah so i guess like a solid 10 years damn dude so off and on some years i fished a little more than other years you know? yeah yeah so you you know you just said that it was that comical thing kind of like comedic relief like oh my gosh look at what mike has tied on his boat like that guy's crazy where did uh where did the idea to to buy that spro rat where did that come from was that like scrolling through facebook or instagram or was it uh sorry if you can hear the geese flying literally right outside my window <laughs> was uh did that come from like social media or kind of being in new england i'm sure you know in the back of my mind you go to any pond you're gonna see a guy fishing a swim bait that's just kind of how it seems like to me because i've never been there and i have no idea but kind of what was your first experience prior to buying them what what kind of set you on to them or kind of had your eyes on them i guess so uh, I'll, I'll start you at like the beginning before i even have, had ever seen a swim bait i didn't have facebook or instagram back in 2015 when i discovered swim baits I was drinking at like the American Legion and oh Burnham. yeah 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 the town I grew up in and uh, there's this one guy there like I'm always talking fishing with and he came in he goes I got something for you he gave me a six inch and an eight inch Savage Gear line through trout and uh, he's I'm like what the fuck are these things dude he's like I'm telling you these are the next big thing they're throwing them in California they're catching big bass on it so I went to um, I took him straight to this like local pond that I always fish. I've been fishing since I was a kid. There's like a big dam. It's like a rock wall, you know, and it's probably pretty steep. And I used, I did the same thing I did with this as I did with the spinnerbait. I cast it out, let it hit the bottom, and I slow rolled it up the rock wall. I did that like the entire fall, and I got two bites. Both of them I broke off right at my feet. I set the hook and just pink snapped the line. And so it was a little frustrating. It took a while. I had seen them before. I had actually seen swim baits one time before that. There was like this young kid I used to go to parties with. You know, well, I I met him at parties. I used to see him at parties all the time, and we'd always talk fishing. So finally, we got out got out on the water together, and he's throwing like a seven or nine inch slammer. And I'd never this at this point I had never seen a swim bait. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like you're scaring all the fish. He's like. He's like, no, I'm telling you, this stuff catches big fish. Dude, the kid was like 16 years old. He didn't even have a car. He had like $1,200 worth of fishing gear. <laughs> that, that, kid was, he, that kid was Ryan McNeil, fishing for days. I don't know if you've seen him on Instagram. He catches like absolutely giant bass. To this day, he's probably like the, the best big bass fisherman that I know. Name sounds so familiar. Hold on. 
Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who that is. <clears throat> Damn, dude, that's funny as hell. So he kind of was the one that was like, okay, dude, like, like, look at this shit. Like, it's gonna work. Did did he end up catching a fish on that trip when you guys were out together? No, I'm actually pretty sure we all got scared. No, fuck. Well, yeah, as long yeah, as the yeah. conventional guys didn't outfish him, then he'd had no point to prove. Yeah, and it was like, I'd fished with him, you know, for years, like, after that, too. And uh, it took me a while to, like, like I said, to really get into it. So, you know, I that was probably a year before I got those um, line-through trouts. And then, like, for the next few years, I was still throwing conventional. And I would go fishing with McNeil, and he would be swim baits only. And... um one time we were fishing a, a, a lake nearby and I caught a five, seven on a crankbait. And he's like, dude, you want to, you make me want to sell all my swim baits. And we're like fucking dying laughing about it. You know, he's throwing a, like a, an HPH or something. And uh, I catch a five, seven on like a 1.5 crankbait. Oh my gosh. That is funny as hell. So, so after, um, so you, you, you got the Savage gear line through trouts. Were you uh, were you fishing those on your jig rod, or what were you what were you using for those? I was throwing those on a six foot eight Shimano Crucial heavy, with um, I think thirty pound braid to a twelve pound test leader. Holy shit! I wasn't I wasn't really yeah I was totally not the right setup to throw that on you know but I didn't have anything else you know I yeah. wasn't I I didn't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have knew, knew the first thing about buying a swimbait rod. I probably could have called McNeil. He would have told me what to buy, but, uh, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. Damn, dude. So did you end up, um, <clears throat> after that second fish, were you like, or I guess, did you lose those fish like in like a week's time back to back or what was the timeline set for that? Yeah, it was like, I don't remember how close they were, but both of the fish did exactly the same thing. I was slow rolling it up the wall and I fish it to a T exactly how I fish the spinnerbait. I used to either like twitch the spinnerbait or kill it off like 10 feet out from me. And that Mm -hmm. way, if a bass was following it, it would, it was a lot of times it would trigger the strike. So I did that with a line through trouts. As soon as I started seeing the bait coming up from like deep water, I killed it off. And both of the fish I saw come from behind it. As soon as I killed it off, inhale it, turn around, swim towards deep water, and I set the hook. I never even got any weight. Both of the hook sets were just like, ping, complete snap-off. I was like, I was absolutely losing my mind because they, they were pretty good fish too. You know, it's hard to tell how big, but, you know. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's comical that you broke the first one off and then you still tied a 12-pound leader the next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I already told you, I did not know what I was doing. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I didn't have, like, like I said, I didn't have like I had nobody to really mm-hmm. I had no like fishing mentor or like anybody to get advice from back then. I was kind of just like trying everything out through trial and error. You know, yeah. I fished a lot with like my, my close friends who also like knew nothing about fishing. You know? Yeah. But it, it was, like I said, it, it was the same when I got into swim baits. Like it took me a while. Like I was, you know, the first year, so I had Got those line through trouts. That was in the fall. And then that ne- over that winter, I think I bought that Spro Rat at Bass Pro Shops. And then the, that whole next year, I had like a ton of um, a ton of bent out hooks, a ton of um, like 
fish throwing my bait. I had like a skeet Reese eight foot rod that somebody gave me. Like I, I never really had good gear up until the next fall. It took me about a year. And then I got like, I got into Dobbins rods. I got like a couple of Shimano reels. I was fishing Copoly. I got some like advice from people, you know, and I was, I was starting to learn, you know, learn how to actually catch fish on swim baits instead of just lose all of them. Yeah. <laughs> did, uh, what did the guy, did the guy American Legion believe you when you told him that you, you lost two fish on those baits or was he like, I told you so dude, like you got to listen to me. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's the hype man, dude. He was all pumped up. He's like, I told you, you know, yeah, he was. He's hyping himself up. He's like, I know what I'm talking about. See, I told you, you know, he's one of those guys. Oh, dude, that's, that's fucking funny. So you end up getting that Spro, what'd you, what size did you say? Was it the 50? Yeah, the 50. Yeah, so you get the Spro 50. Are you fishing it on that same Shimano rod and same uh, braid to Floro or, or, mon, or braid to leader? Is that what you were fishing it on still? No, and that next spring, um, that same guy who gave me the six inch and eight inch trouts, dicky he uh he gave me a quote-unquote swim bait rod it was an eight foot skeet reese and it was actually a swim bait rod it was like a 59 dollars swim bait rod from dick sporting goods it was like the most ugly cumbersome thing ever and i lost so many fish on that rod finally i broke it thank god i broke it like that next fall fall of what 2016 and then uh, and then that's when i got I got into Dobbins rods and that like up to my catch ratio phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the skeet Reese rod, that's the yellow one with the black split handle, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. You know about that rod? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember looking through Walmart when I was younger, seeing those crankbait rods. And I thought they were the coolest fucking thing ever, but I never yeah. bought one and thank the Lord I hadn't. Yeah. Thank God. That thing was a piece of hot garbage. Oh my gosh, dude. So when, uh, when you were fishing that, when you were fishing the rat, were you fishing it on straight braid? Is that why you're bending hooks out? Or was that rod super stout for, for a swim, quote unquote, swim bait rod? Cause everybody thinks when you say swim bait rod, you need a broomstick. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't really remember the action of that rod too much, but I was fishing it on 80 pound braid. I could tell you that. And I was, I was pulling, I, I was pulling the fish up. Like I was fishing a jig. You know, when I set a jig hook, you set it up into the air. Yeah. And I was doing that same thing with the swim baits. And with an eight foot rod now, I got my eight foot rod sky high in the air. I'm pulling up, you know, and, and I lost a lot of fish just from the fish jumping and spitting the bait. That's when I learned you have to, you know, get your rod either bent over, you know, and uh, you can control the fish. Like, you know, if they're jumping to the right, you can kind of maneuver them around. I didn't really know fish control too good, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I uh, I I set the hook like I'm fishing a jig. I won't lie. Even if I'm fishing a wake yeah. bait or something, dude. I, oh my gosh, I send it up in the air and then I just reel down and and start the fight. <laughs> yeah, Usually, yeah. figured I figured I try to give them a good whack to make sure that they know they're they're hooked and they're pinned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You let that fish know who's boss. You know. Yeah, dude. They're not they're not eating for free around here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Were you fishing a lot of tournaments around this time, or was it strictly just fun fishing with your friends and stuff? So I've never fished tournaments. Oh, really? Yeah, the the only thing I do is fun fish. I have I've had like countless people ask me to get into like the local club tournaments or you know the friend tournaments and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. I just never I just never really had any interest. I like to just like get out there on my own time. We'll get up early in the morning and. Um, just like fishing my leisure. I don't, I, 
I don't, I, I don't know why. I've just never really been interested in tournaments. Maybe one day I'll do one. Yeah, tournaments are super fun. It's, I don't know, I've only ever fished tournaments when I was fishing swim baits. So, like, that was, you know, what, what I was, I, I actually, Jeff and I were just talking about this. That's always what I was getting relied on when I was on the boat. Like, oh, you know, Adrian fishes swim baits. He's going to at least catch us one, and that'll be the big kicker fish. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, that can happen, but I can also I can I can also catch like one three pounder, and that'll be the only fucking fish. So, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I could fish a swim bait the whole three hours if you want me to on a Wednesday nighter, but I mean, probably could help you know catch five quick on a drop shot or whatever and go from there. But it was always like, no, 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 you just you just fish the big bait, and and we won a handful of tournaments over the two or three years we did it. But it was just like, okay, I'm just I'm just going because they want me to catch the big fish so we can all split the money. So it's like, ah, this maybe necessarily isn't what I want to be doing doing on my Wednesday nights. I'd rather just go fish the pier and, and catch a bunch of big glide bait fish. But here I am yeah. in this fucking boat in the middle of the lake. Yeah, it's like a pressure to catch a fish to win a tournament. Like I I do the, I only have one goal in mind, and that's to catch a seven pound batch, which I just cannot seem to do. I've caught plenty of six pounders, plenty of five pounders. I just cannot break that. So if if I go out and fish a tournament when I could have gone to like, you know, one of my big fish spots or like a, a you know, a big fish lake and just specifically target one fish, that one fish I'm after, I'd feel like I was like wasting my time, you know. Yeah, and also I feel like tournaments you know, if you're not fishing a huge body of water and people see all these spots you're fishing and, and see that you're fishing this crazy, you know, Spro 50 or, or a glide bait or something that they can be like, oh shit. So I, you know, I see him post all these big fish and now I know where he's fishing. Like I can, I can go try to replicate with what he's doing. And obviously that's kind of probably far fetched, but I'm always like, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll just keep to myself and, and fish when nobody else is out there or do my own thing and not really worry about anybody else seeing the results unless it's on Instagram. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm on the same page. I do my own thing. I'm not I'm not out chasing anybody else's bite or anything. I like like I finding the bite, finding the fish, finding like those big fish stomping grounds, figuring out the lake, figuring out what they bite on. Like to me, that's the funnest part of fishing. You know? Yeah. I uh so I've had this same spot for the last like four or five years. It always holds fish. And now there's starting to be people that are figuring it out because, you know, I've posted about it and stuff and they're going out there and having the same exact luck. And dude, like, I know that there are super big fish in there. Like I would not be surprised if there was seven, eight pounders there. Cause I've seen them, but it's like, just for some fucking reason, the handful of guys who fish there now and myself included, we are never able, you know, they'll short strike your, your, uh, your glide bait or they'll, they'll eat your soft bait and not get the hooks. Like I had a big one eat the flag 255, but it missed the hooks. And it's just like those big fish, you know, we don't have many, many numbers of them here, like just barely fucking any. And like, they are just so elusive. And it's like, well, that one day you're there and that one day you get lucky enough and the thing eats like you, you got to have all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted to, to make sure that you even, you even have the best chance of getting that thing in. And there's a good possibility that, that you get it all the way to your feet and you can't flip it up the five feet you need to get, get up on the seawall and the thing just fucking jumps and shakes off. So it's like, man, dude, it's, it's frustrating around here sometimes. Yeah. Everything has to be just right. I've lost a lot of big fish. I'm sure just as you have, you know, and, uh, everyone's a learning experience you know but um i mean i wish i had some advice for you on how to catch those giant fish in the lake because uh you know i kind of don't but uh 
from what I've seen around here, mm -hmm. hunting big fish is um, it's more or less like following big fish, figuring out their stomping grounds, where they feed, where they hang out, and then going there at the right time with the right bait in the right presentation, everything has to be perfect to trick like those old, old bass, you know? Yeah. And the thing at this spot is there are just so many fucking fish that hang out here, bunch of, you know, three to five pounders where you got to fish something big enough to entice the big ones, but it's also got to be big enough that the smaller ones don't eat. And I mean, a five pound fish is going to eat a hingle trout or a mother and stuff or a 255 or a 250. So it's kind of like, and even, even four and three pounders do that too. So it's like, you, God, dude, it's just such a pain in the ass because you'll have big ones follow. And then you have these ones shoot up out of the side or shoot up off bottom and just fucking T-bone your bait. And that other one looks at you and fucking swims away. And it's like, oh my gosh, dude, like I'm upset because I just caught a four and a half pounder. Like what the hell's wrong with me type thing. Yeah, yeah only because you saw a seven. Yeah. Yeah, that's super frustrating. I deal with that same stuff here in New England. You see followers that are absolutely massive. And it's almost like they look at you like, yeah, what do you think? I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was yeah, fishing, fishing a pond here in Massachusetts probably like three or four years ago now. It's a private pond, but a friend of mine has um, like keyed access to it because he lives, he, his grandparents have a house on the lake. And the, the ecosystem in this pond is like, flourishing it's th this pond is unbelievable and i saw the biggest bass i've ever seen in my life to exactly what you just said i took my buddy out and i was just getting him into swim bait fishing and he was throwing a uh one of those uh replica trout the trout glider you know oh, you ever see like the sly guy trout no 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 it's no. like the five dollar alibaba oh, yes yes commercial, uh, yeah trout glide Right. And uh, all of a sudden, you, it, and this is like a super clear water reservoir. All, my buddy's fishing the front of the boat. All of a sudden, he's like, he sat screaming. He's like, holy fucking shit, dude. Look at this. And we look down. Gin clear water. There is like an eight. Now, I don't know how big because I've never caught a bass this big, but without a doubt, the biggest bass I've ever seen in my life is following his bait, tail the nose. He is right on his bait. And he's like, his back is bobbing. The fish's back is bobbing above the water it, right next to the boat. It was unbelievable. Like, I wish I could have pulled, if I pulled out my phone, I could have took like a, a clear photo of this fish, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't bite anything. No way. We started, we threw everything we had on. I ended up actually catching, I think a five, two, uh, something like that. Five, two or five, 12, thro uh, like throwing back into that area where he came from. That fish came out of a shade pocket. It was midsummer. It was probably 94 degrees. And that fish came out from like an out from an overhanging limb. So I pitched the Gancraft 178 in there. That used to be like my favorite bait. I ended up catching a, a big fish. It was probably a wolf pack of fish in there. But that big, big one had zero interest. Zero interest. Dude, that means that that thing would have been a double digit like in the in the fall or even pre-spawn. Like it could have been pushing 11 pounds on the pre-spawn if it was, you know, eight and a half pushing nine pounds in the fucking middle of summer. That's crazy, dude. So that, so that, I mean, obviously I didn't get a look at its gut, but I got a clear as day view of the fish and it looked super healthy, super fat, super wide. And the, um, the fish I caught was actually had a big gut, like they were eating on something. So the the fish were healthy midsummer. They weren't like those those uh, you Paper, know those paper bass. Sick, yeah, those like sickly looking summertime fish you usually see. You know? 
dang dude that just sounds like such a paradise but but so okay go round and round and back off so you're fishing that spro 50 and uh you you're you know dumping fish and stuff did you did you buy any more baits after that like did you find a glide bait or like a bull chat or something you're like oh like i want to try this you know it's a big bait i've been catching fish maybe i'll have better look on something like this yeah so that next year i got this row rat uh hold on let me get my time frame right i don't know whatever it was that year or the next spring but i went from the spro wrap and then i got the gancraft 178 which was like my all-time favorite that bait was unbelievably productive for me i used to weigh it weight it down mm -hmm. and uh just like dead slow roll it and, and the thing really didn't have much action i swear to god the the, the bait was probably coming straight through the water like with no <laughs> glide action sometimes i pull it up it's like not even gliding but it would absolutely be, it was it was lights out i used to crush fish on that thing and then i um i got a shell cracker g2 which was also like a lights out bait i used to do the same thing I'd turn the reel as slow as I'd go fish it at night. I'd turn the reel as slow as I possibly could. Just so, like the clicker almost wouldn't even be going off. It would just be like the, the tail, like the Lexan tail. Yeah. Just kind of like rolling from one side to the other and, ma and, and making like a little click noise. And I used to crush it with that bait. I still do. I love the G2. The G2 is like a very effective bait. Dude, I... I never caught a fish on that bait for whatever reason. Even without the tail segment, I could not catch a fish. I don't now. I think I could, but back in the day, dude, I was fucking terrible with wake baits. Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. I just never had luck with it. But was did you end up switching to Dobbins before you got the one seventy eight and stuff? Like, is that how you started having luck, or are you still fishing that Skeet Reese and just kind of learning how to fish them, fish it a little bit better? No, that Skeet Reese went out within the first year, definitely, without a doubt. <laughs> that Skeet, yeah, that Skeet Reese was gone by probably summertime that year, maybe fall. I got got into Dobbins, but I I could tell you that when I was fishing the one seventy eight, I was fishing it out of Dobbins. I got I got a Dobbins seven ninety five and a Fury seven ninety five and a Fury eight oh six and a um, a Shimano Cardiff three hundred and a Tranks three hundred. And I ran those two setups for probably two years. And I fished the Gancraft 178, 9-inch uh, Slammer, um, the Shellcracker G2. I'm looking up at my wall of baits. I don't have, like, a lot of the baits I used to fish back then. I was fishing the uh, Wake and Crank. That was, like, maybe a year or two later. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of that's how the beginning went. Once I got into... It was like 2017, 2018, where I got on social media. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started learning about all these garage builders and, um, and like, you know, resin baits and not these shitty. Because the Gancraft 178s were great. I used to catch a lot of fish on them, but they, uh, they'd all end up leaking and filling up with water. And then, and then that's when they would swim straight and all, and all fucked up, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I... I, I, I've never owned uh, a Gancraft. One of my buddies did, and he had that sick, like, reflective perch color. That's, yeah, that's the only one I threw. I got one right here. Like, it's been through World War Three. <laughs> working, working up my bait, my bait wall. 
I'm actually looking at them right now because it's like, man, that'd be a bait that I'd always wanted, but I never pulled the trigger on, and I know it catches fish. I just never took took the initiative to buy it myself. So like, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll end up buying one of those. But so, dude, I will say. I never, never owned a Dobbins. You know, I went straight from production to to um, custom production rods. Um, and I, I've held the Furies. Super, super nice, like, feel to them. The one gripe I have, well, I guess two, but it's kind of the same thing. The short handle and how, like, the handle feels like a spaghetti noodle. Like, it's super thin and skinny, and it yeah. feels like there's, like, no backbone to the handle. Yeah, so that's exactly why I went to uh custom rods mm-hmm. because I hated that handle length the the champ extremes are better but if i'm gonna spend you know what are what are the furies like 110 bucks they're probably i think they're like 140 now they used to be 110 yeah but even even now you got in that same price range a couple dollars more you can buy bukas stick through them and that's a dedicated swim bait rod that's that's built you know, built pretty sturdy with, with a long handle and stuff. So that's kind of probably the better option over the Fury nowadays. Yeah, probably. I, I, I'd i say go with the custom. I mean, I don't have any experience with the Buka rods, but right, I, yeah. I ended up getting a few champion series swim bait rods from Dobbins, which are great rods, but um, custom rods are the way to go. You know, yeah. I know advocate of Leviathan. I fish F5, you know, this LDC. There used to be Moam. I don't think oh, Moam. Yeah anymore but uh that's where it's at if you're serious about swim bait fishing i'm a big advocate of these longer rods longer handles mm-hmm. lighter weight um i like i love the longer handles i had brad from f5 make me rods with like 18 inch handles on them yeah dude i was i was scrolling through your instagram today and you have one of those it's a split grip and it's like got super chunky handles on it and i'm like dude that looks fucking comfortable as hell to fish yeah, yeah, he actually just made me that rod this spring. That's the uh, BLK 710. It's like a, it's a giant crankbait rod. I use it for small treble hook baits, and mm-hmm. I love catching fish on it because that thing bends like to the moon. Yeah, I've got a, man, it's a blacklist uh, medium heavy, must be. It might, it might be that same rod. Because that's what the BLK is, Blacklist 710. Yeah, okay, yeah, it is the 710, I think. Yeah, I have that same rod, and I use that a while. I use that for quite a while for, for pier fishing on Lake Michigan, and that was a super kick-ass rod. I mean, I loved it. I fished, you know, I could sling the taxi trout, what is it, two to six ounce, I think? Uh, you might have had the 800 then. The 800, I think, went up to six ounce or five ounce or something and then the 710 was like i think a four ounce max or something if you were throwing the taxi trout i'd will i'd be willing to bet it was yeah. probably 100 because this thing's like doodle if i throw a three and a half ounce bait on it it doesn't really it doesn't really cast it very well if you ask me everybody has their own preferences you know yeah like some dude some guys like those you know there's some guys who fish like like marshall will fish the 250 on like the Leviathan heavy, I think, and the heavy only goes to six ounce, or maybe it's the medium heavy. And like, you know, you fish, you fish the K9 on that Omega medium heavy and that thing, not that it feels like it's going to snap, but you can feel that thing load up in the blank and, you know, guys like that. Cause they can just sling a bait and, you know, I'm the type of guy where it's like, ah, I don't need it to load up that far into the blank. I can muscle it if I need to, but yeah, dude, that's kind of a puckering, puckering feeling when you can feel that whole blank load down to the real seat. <laughs> 
yeah, that's wild. Fish, you say a fish a two fifty on the um, Leviathan medium heavy. That's that's wild. It, it might be the heavy. I know, um, Jared even the, even the heavy, even the heavy, like that's a light, that's a light rod for, yeah. I have Leviathan heavy and I'd say that's a light rod for a two fifty. but it's funny, the style changed. So like, um, so actually one of the guys who, the guy who told me to sign up for in, uh, not Instagram swim bait underground back in like 2017, my buddy from high school, Chris Koch, he's like an old school swim bait dude. I used to go over his house and he would like fill my head with swim bait knowledge. He's the first guy who really like taught me a lot about swim baits. Yeah. And he's like an old school guy. And they're, they all fish like the heaviest, stoutest rods for yeah. the smallest baits. And then it seems like that now it seems like the trend is going the other way. It seems like people are fishing lighter hooks and lighter rods with the same, you know, bigger baits. Um, you know, it's just funny to see how it evolves because it, Back in the day, people used to throw, uh, you know, Matt Lore's hard gills on like, uh, you know, the Okuma guide select, like extra, yep. extra heavy broomstick. Yeah. yeah, dude, it, uh, it's, I don't know. It, it, I've talked about it obviously quite a bit on how the whole scene has changed, but dude, like now, like that medium heavy Omega, and I'm sure, uh, probably like the, the smaller ghost codes, I mean, dude, in all honesty, you pick them up and it feels like a glorified crankbait jerkbait rod. Like they're dumb light. There's nothing to them. They bend down pretty damn far into the blanks. And it's like, whoa, this is like, you know, and then you pick up a convention or a, a, like a, um, a production, like a legitimate production swimbait rod. And I mean, you pick that thing up and you're like, holy shit, you know, this thing is damn heavy. This thing's a fucking brick compared to the custom production rods that we have yeah. nowadays. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we definitely got lucky with the evolution of swim bait rods because, I mean, even back, I mean, I didn't really know what was out there back in 2016, 15, 17, but uh, we didn't have the options that we had now with all these custom swim bait rod makers. You can get a, you can get any rod in any configuration you want, and they're all readily available, most mm -hmm. of them. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like 2017, 2018, uh, I was talking about this with somebody. I can't remember who, but I mean, like, uh, 2018 or 2019 browser or Savage Gear came out with that browser. Uh, you obviously, oh excuse me, you obviously had the Dobbin stuff. Uh, Huddleston had like two rods on Tackle Warehouse. Okuma had the stiff Guide Select, the old version. Yeah. And then you know Irod had their Genesis lineup, but like that was, dude, that was like seriously about it. And now everybody has a swim bait rod. Every single rod manufacturer and even real manufacturers that have rods now, everybody makes a fucking swim bait rod. Yeah, swim baits are taking over without a doubt. Yeah, dude, it's fucking it. It's freaking wild. But yeah. kind of circling back to uh, to how you or when you got the Gancraft and stuff. So you were having issues with the Gancraft. You picked up that G two and were catching a lot of fish. Were you active on underground or Instagram yet at the time? So that's probably like 2016, 2017 around there. Yeah. So that's when I got onto um, Swimbait Underground. Uh, I don't think I got, I don't, I, I didn't get on like Facebook and Instagram. I th actually, I think I got on Instagram in 2017 too. I didn't get on Facebook for a while, but I wasn't really like learning a lot from Instagram. But yeah, that's when I, that's when I got onto Swimbait Underground about 2017. And uh, that's when I started buying like an ungodly amount of baits that I didn't need, you know? Yeah. What was it like? Was it kind of weird to see that there was a huge community 
online that that wasn't that was you know fucking damn near across the country was that weird for you to kind of wrap your head around yeah it was i don't know if it was weird it was it was interesting cool. maybe oh it was wicked cool like um it was like rediscovering fishing when i found out about swim baits. It, it was like the fucking coolest thing i had seen in the fishing world like ever you know, I was totally interested. I must have read every forum on Swimbait Underground my first like few months on that. And there's a lot of good info info on Swimbait Underground, you know? Yeah, it's literally just an archive of of just all sorts of stuff. Every damn question you could have, there's a good possibility if you scroll back or use the search bar, you'll find it on Underground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so after that you kinda you get uh did you find any locals on underground like from the new england area or at that point in time had you seen anybody else on the water that was fishing maybe a slammer or or anything like that or was it just the couple of guys that you had already mentioned that you knew that were doing it and then all these people that you were meeting on underground that were probably more or less more west coast orientated yeah i don't think i met anybody local on underground you know it was just my a couple of buddies i knew that swim bait fished um i didn't really have much of like a like a social experience on underground i was kind of just creeping around the back you know the in the back just reading all the info and soaking up as much info as i could you know right yeah and and did you like learn quite a bit of stuff or were you kind of was it more of reading other people's experiences and kind of drawing your own conclusion from that so yeah, it was it was exactly like that. It was reading because everybody has a different opinion about you know one topic. You know, everybody's got a different opinion about everything. And um, I kind of took what I learned from Swimbait Underground and applied it. And if it if it worked, good. If it didn't work, I would try something else. So it was still a lot. It was still a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, because different people have different bodies of water. Even different bodies of water in my area fish differently like i have some baits that i only fish in certain ponds and other baits i only fish in other ponds mm -hmm. because it's every everything's different you know so information you get from anybody online you should take with a little grain of salt and uh, you know make sure that it actually does apply to the area you're fishing the style you're fishing the you know the spots you're fishing or whatever yeah yeah it it's always it's always refreshing to see that other people, you know, wherever they may be, maybe they're kind of hung up with the same scenario or a like-minded scenario that you're kind of experiencing. So where, like, I remember reading, um, oh shit, what was it? Like fishing, fishing clear water. Cause everybody was kind of talking about how hard it was, you know, cause there's that great divide where people talk about where they can't, can't, you can't fish swim baits in clear water. And, and then you have guys who, like me who who can't do it in, in dirty water and that was kind of you know it was it was reassuring to go on facebook and, and underground and see like guys in california and arizona and and you know just kind of the midwest talk about how they fish clear water and that gave me a good understanding of what you know what i was lacking like if if these fish were getting too close to see me like if you're standing straight up and, and they see your shadow or or just stuff like that and it was kind of like oh okay like these guys have already lived through this experience and I'm lucky enough that they 
kind of published it and, and made it, you know, necessarily public knowledge and I'm kind of reaping the benefits of it. And dude, yeah. I think like just being able to have those sources and, and look stuff up on, on, you know, underground and universe, like dude, that can catapult somebody like during the course of a winter that can really change you as an angler. Yeah. And I think that's what is making, I think that's definitely contributing to the popularity in fishing. So back, you know, back, in the day, you just had to go out and try to figure out how to catch a fish. Now you can go online and someone will tell you how to catch a fish. You know, it, it's it's probably a lot more appealing to the new fisherman who's like, oh, all I need is a, you know, whatever, a shell cracker G2 and to go out there and slow roll it at night. And then you go do that. You catch a fish and it's simple, you know. Yeah. And, and another thing that, that I uh, talk about frequently just because it is such an important thing that people probably don't understand. So when I got into it, even a couple of years after you and, and more so you and guys who got into it way early, I mean, you had just talked about how you went on a bait buying spree and just bought a shit ton of baits and, you know, 2015 through 20, 2020, I mean, even up to there, there wasn't many videos unless the maker posted like one or two videos or, you know, guys in Japan were posting mods to to two fifties or to mothers and, and, and Japanese baits like that. Like it was more or less word of mouth, like, Oh, this bait, you know, quote unquote swims like shit and come to find out that that guy fishes it way different than what you were wanting to do and just not having any idea what these baits look like. And then you have somebody like Jason Carroll and, and these other guys posting swim videos of these baits and you're like, oh shit, like that, I would not fish that thing like that. Like that does not, you know, that does not appeal to me at all. Dude, I think that is a huge, like contributor to, for guys getting into it and, and buying baits and stuff. Cause they see it and it's appealing to them. Whereas it's not just paint jobs and profiles that look good to somebody. Yeah. You can go right on. Yeah. You can go on Jason Carl's swim bait reviews. <laughs> you can look at it just about every swim bait available, you know, and, uh, see exactly how it swims, pick out the one that's just right for you. You know, how you want yeah, that, guy, that guy, that's good. I, I love that guy's page too. Cause there's so many baits. We never had that. Like you said, there's so many baits that, um, that look good. Like they fit the weight you want to throw. They kind of fit the bait profile you want to throw. And, uh, you have no idea how they swim. You got to spend a hundred, 150, $250 on the bait to figure out how it swims. But, yeah. Well, or, you know, swim bait reviews. I love that page. I think I've watched every swim video of every bait ever made on that guy's page. It, I'll go through, like, if I can't sleep at night, so, you know, sometimes I'll just hop on there and I'll look and I'll look, I'll just start at the beginning and I'll scroll until I see a bait I, I kind of like I'm interested in. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'd fish that or I don't fish that. And I have a list on my phone of what baits I want to get and what baits I, you know, I, I want, but might not fit what I need to do. And it's like, fuck dude. Like if this wasn't the case, all these baits would be on my buy list and I would be probably in a very poor financial situation. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, you don't need, <clears throat> you do not need all the baits. You know, I, I'm in, I, I'd say buy, you know, I'd, I recommend to anybody that you buy a few baits and try a few ones out and stick with the ones that work. But I don't think there's a reason, unless you're collecting baits, there's no reason to have like, you know, 30, 40, 50 hard baits. <clears throat> Just as yeah. a fishing aspect, you know? Yeah, I, I was in the same boat as you. And I think, you know, damn near everybody was even even now like with the with the resources you're we just talking about like everybody and i've talked about it before everybody goes through and fucking just empties their pockets for these baits whether it's because yeah. you know because it's cool 
because so-and-so commented this on my post, so I need to buy this bait, or be just because it's appealing to you, you know, whatever it may be. Like, dude, I talked about it with Jeff on the last episode. Like, dude, there was times where I'd get a paycheck, and, you know, it was it was $800 for two weeks' worth of work, and that shit was fucking gone before it hit my bank account. Like, I was buying, I was buying, uh, 250s, phonies, uh, Hinkle Trout, Mother's Ghosts, you know, just all sorts of stuff that was, you know, essentially at the time uncalled for. Now I could justify buying some of that stuff because I'd fish it more. Yeah. But, you know, back then I had one, I had, uh, a Savage Gear, uh, uh, browser with a, uh, a Tranks 200. Like, what am I doing buying buying all these big ass baits like even even a phony shad is pushing it for a 200 size reel and a, and a six ounce rod and here i am just buying all this shit stuff that i didn't even have rods and gear for like it was absolutely crazy dude i i hear you i did the same thing i bought i was throwing a hinkle shad on a dobbins 806 with a with a trank tranks 300 and uh that was not cutting it i'll tell you what, that hurt my shoulder yeah yeah and that's like going back to having having access to this nice gear and these nice rods and stuff that we have now, like it, the longevity of it, like you can go out there and you could fish a Hinkle trout with a custom production rod, you know, all day or a mother, you know, majority of the day before it starts to take a wear on you because having the proper gear is doing the work for you. Whereas you're tying a fucking five pound anchor onto a broomstick and trying to cast it with no leverage whatsoever. Oh yeah, without a doubt, these custom rods do most of the work for you. It's definitely saved your body. Yeah, man, it's just—it's a hell of a time to to be getting into swim baits. It's a hell of a time for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna continue to grow. I mean, now you have all these major manufacturers. Like, what was it? Berkeley completely ripped off the Flag One Seventy. Yeah, yeah, and then you got like Spro doing collabs. Um, obviously, Catch Code doing all the stuff with Mike. The like, collabs are cool. The collabs are cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, royalties, but I, I think you're going to start seeing like a lot of these major bait manufacturers just making complete ripoffs. You're going to start seeing swim baits in stores, like, like you see crankbaits in stores. This is still, I, I think, and I could be wrong. I think this is still just the beginning stages. Yeah. I think uh, it, it's going to be interesting to go back in in five years, if not two or three years, and see, you know, what what you got in your local Cabela's or Bass Pro or, or whatever tackle outlet you have, and then go back there. Like you said, and there's I guarantee six cents will be in every single tackle shop, and they'll have all their line through baits that they're working on and their draws and stuff like that. I mean, they already are, but you're going to have all these other companies. Obviously, Berkeley is is starting to get their toes wet, whether they're they're coming up with the ideas or, or snatching it. Like that stuff is going to be available everywhere, and that's so crazy to think about. Yeah, but so kind of we're talking about it like up until early 2020. Um, what was up to that point, like that first couple of years, were you just catching a bunch of fish? And is that what made you kind of stick to it a little bit more over jigs and kind of make you fall in love with just the swim bait mindset? I'd say the most appealing thing about the swim baits was just the, like the fun of catching fish with swim baits, catching fish, catching a bass on a swim bait is way funner than catching a bass on anything else. It's definitely it's definitely a great tool to to catch big bass and once i started getting used to it um my average size definitely went up for sure 
Yeah, it's just a right now. I mean, like I said, it's just um, it's just a fun way to catch them. Uh, I'm, I'm I want to catch a seven pounder, and I want to catch it on a swim bait. I'm gonna try to force feed a fish a swim bait, you know. But um, yeah, it's just way way funner to catch them on swim baits. That's really my take on swim baits. Oh yeah, dude, I I agree full heartedly, a hundred percent. And when you know when you seriously got into it and you started buying buying baits and stuff did you figure out quick that that maybe um that, that that like you had a style like maybe you weren't so fond of crank downs but you like glide baits and wake baits or or were you just did you buy everything and then make your assumptions from there on what you liked and what you had success on and what what was what had room to go in your tackle box so i started with glide baits well with the gancraft 178 if you consider that a glide bait and um I kind of strayed away from glide baits. Um, I, I want to get back into fishing glide baits, but once I discovered toxic, I was almost exclusively fishing wakes and crankdowns because uh, I immediately had success on toxics, like right off the bat. Yeah, and what year did you say that was? Or around what time? I probably got my first toxics maybe 2019. Okay, so Caesar had battled the hype at that point and his stuff was like readily available, right? So I got I was the first few toxics I got, I bought right off his website and he wasn't he wasn't full-time yet. I started fishing his base probably like 4 or 5 months before he went full-time. I think he went full-time in like the spring of 19 i don't know that makes sense but uh but when i bought it the the baits off his websites you do drops just like everybody else and they would sell out in two seconds you know and uh they were selling on underground like waking cranks were selling on underground for like 250 dollars like i got mm -hmm. a micro mink someone offered me like 350 dollars for my micro mink when i bought it yeah dude i that was the year of the first gathering because he made a batch of purple and black ones that he sent to Wayne to raffle. Or no, not purple and black. Was it purple and black? I feel like that sounds right. I could be off, though. But I remember the micro mink was like brand new. Um, oh, AJ, uh, what's his name? Uh, lives lives by you, kind of, in that like New England area. He was huge on the mini mink and like that bait just fucking blew up and now i feel like i never see that bait getting getting the love that it that it once had yeah definitely a lot there's so many baits out there there that they're like the some of the great baits just seem to get lost with the rest of them the micro mink is a phenomenal bait all his baits the wake and crank the wade hogs and the micro mink are like fish catching machines I started buying waking cranks for all my friends. Yeah, dude, I I think I had a Wade three, and I had just gotten it, and somebody had posted. Uh, I don't even remember what the hell I traded it for. This was like two years ago. Just gotten a Wade three, and somebody posted a bait like a glide bait I wanted for sale. I didn't even fish the fucking bait. Like I traded it right away because I wanted this glide bait. And now, dude, like what? Like I want, I want to try the juke so bad, and I want to try the sewer rat because those look so fucking fun to fish. Yeah, I saw that sewer rat. That thing's gnarly looking. But I'm so stuck on the mink. Like I haven't bought. I bought his OG Wade Hogs, which is probably my favorite bait. But um, you know, I have like 
see. I'm looking up my bait wallet. Two, four, six. I have six toxics, or uh, seven, eight, if you include my wife's white wake and crank. Um, <laughs> I can fish the fuck the six toxics I have. That seven toxics I have. I can fish those for like the next five, six, seven years. They last forever. Yeah, dude. And I will say his paint, dude, for being rattle can. Oh my gosh, it yeah. just looks. It's got that grunge look to it, and it's just so appealing to me. It sticks too. It's like so you get some custom paint jobs, not mentioning any names, but you know, there's paint adhering issues. Um, you know, paint starts peeling off, flaking off. The clear coat comes off. It it chips off. Caesar paints his baits with spray paint, and they don't have any of those paint issues. You can they'll it'll, they'll get hook rash, obviously, and they'll like wear at the joint. But I've never had one of his baits that like paint flakes off or anything. It's great, perfect. It's just got to be a color. It doesn't have to be like, you don't have to put every little detail of a scale on there. Like a fish is like, it's like the fish can't see the little individual scales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's more to catch fishermen than, than fish. You know? Yeah. I, I was, I've always been intrigued with, with the super like over the top, but that's not really what I mean, but that's just the best word I have. Like over the top paint jobs for wake baits. It's like, cool. Don't get me like, wrong. It's like wicked cool. Yeah, that yeah. yeah. But, but it's like, like, it's like, man, you could you could give that thing a white stomach, and it would probably catch just as many fish. But okay, I say that if the wake bait can be cranked down, then then I understand. But if it's like just a strictly awake, it's got that damn near ninety degree lip, and it just sits up on top the whole time. It's like okay, like you could have gotten away with just doing white stomach, brown and black on it, and, and some hair detail. Like you didn't need to do some crazy elaborate paint job that it took you two hours to paint one. Like the bare minimum is okay with a wake bait. I promise. Yeah, definitely. But there's a market for everything. There's a market. Oh, yeah. Some paint jobs. People like a showpiece of a bait, you know, and if it gives you confidence to, to fish it, then great. You know? Yeah. I mean, I will say, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody who makes a rat bait that has a lot of cool paint on it. I, I, I just feel like, and, and I feel like builders kind of know that. So they don't, you know, they don't uh, do crazy, crazy stuff like glide bait paints on on topwaters and stuff, which, you know, like I said, makes sense. It, as long as it looks good enough and people like what it looks like, then fuck, that's that's good enough for me. I'm not going to put too much detail in it where, where it is like kind of a piece of art that the fish are never going to see. Yeah, well, that's what's cool about the swim bait world is you can get whatever you want. You can get like my most productive wake bait right now is uh, it's like a gray, dark gray. TV rat it's like doesn't look like a rat color at all you know and that works for me but then you know there's some people that love custom painted baits there's some people that like big baits small baits there's like there's every type of bait that you could buy that you know that you like like swim bait swim baits have definitely the swim bait world definitely has a a, a variety of uh of of baits to choose from without a doubt you know yeah yeah i mean there like you said there is something for literally anybody out there if, if you want to have super cool baits that look really good on your mantle like in front of your tv there are fucking baits and there are painters that that will knock that out of the park and then if you want you know baits that just flat out catch fish those are fucking red baits that flat out catch fish that are easily available i mean that you can you can buy all sorts of baits that do that stuff yeah yeah i like to fish baits that are readily available yeah i think it's it's nicer that way 
I'm not the type of guy to think, oh my gosh, I have a $300 bait tied on the end of my rod. But it's also like, I, dude, I've had some, I've been fishing this lake lately that has muskie in it and I'll have muskie follow, follow my flag 255. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of shit myself and I burn that bait in because that bait is hard to get. You know, it's not super expensive. You can get them for, you know, not super expensive quote. You can get them for, you know, 120 bucks secondhand, but it's like, they're not readily available. It's going to be trying to pull teeth to find that bait. Whereas if I'm fishing like a 250, you know, fuck dude, I don't care if I'm only fishing 30 pound line. Like I'll, I'll, I won't pull it away from a fish because I'm scared I'm going to lose it because I can go on underground or universe and buy them for $90 and have it in a week. Like it's not that big of a deal relative. Yeah, exactly. You want to, you want to fish a bait that you're not afraid to break or lose, you know? And if you're not afraid to break or lose a three, four or $500 bait, then, then, you know, all the power to you. But, um, you know, some of us don't want to lose that much money. You know, if I lose a, if I lose a Wade hogs, you know, I could probably just send Caesar a message be like, you got any kicking around? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be like, Oh dude, hell yeah. I got a batch rolling up right yeah. now. What color you want? You know? Yeah, dude. Fuck. Um, hold on. I'm looking over the questions here. Oh, I guess this, this will be a good one. And then this will get into the, the next question I have on the list. What has been your most memorable catch? Well, okay. We'll rewind West first question first. I just thought about how it made sense. How, how has swim baiting helped you grow as an angler and, and like, has it helped you on the conventional side of things? And then there's a part two to this question as well that I'll ask when, when you get all wrapped up with this one. How does how has swim baiting helped me grow as an angler? I'd say it's helped me figure out how to target big bass only because mm-hmm. fishing for a big bass is like a, it's like a completely different style of fishing in my opinion. Like I was saying before, like in a nutshell, the way I do it anyway is I target. I I find first off I find big fish spots. Yep. You know, and um, I target those spots in like rotation, um, and I figure out when they're like certain spots the bite will be on at certain times of the year, certain times of the day, certain like moon phases. And it's basically kind of just like rotating all your big fish spots and figuring out when they'll bite and you know how to make the right presentation. You know, I rarely just like drive around the lake and fish the bank like if i'm fishing a new lake and i'm trying to figure it out yeah but um like targeting big bass you ever read that book um uh pursuit of giant bass by bill murphy yes yeah 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 so so i will say then for like six months and i haven't actually read it oh my gosh dude read it and and, uh he was telling me that the guy would sit on like a point and anchor up for like 12 hours and just fish right at and he's he's like yeah you wait until the bass come in i i that that registered in my head though because like that's that's kind of what i do you know it's more like more like hunting big fish as opposed Mm -hmm. to fishing you know fishing in the sense of like running around the bank and throwing a spinner bait and you know wait until you catch a fish like i said i still will do that you know if i'm not having any luck in my at my productive spots and you also got to find new spots too because you wear out spots real oh, did they quick. learn real quick too 
You know, you could wear yeah, out they you could wear out a spot in like in like a couple months. You know, yeah, and, dude, they they fucking they associate that shit quick. Yeah, yeah, they, without a doubt, they do. And then you gotta find um, a new. Yeah, uh, the Bill Murphy uh, Pursuit of Giant Bass. That book, you'll read the first. Like, so I power read through the first hundred pages, and it kind of melted my head with new ideas and i'm just like wow you know it's kind of like that eureka moment where you read something and and you're like holy shit why did i never think of that like that just is so plain as day that's how that first hundred pages is he talks about how he breaks down this water where he accesses these big fish and it might not seem like a big deal now because like millikins talked about it and oliver and i have talked about it in their videos with forward-facing sonar and stuff but you got to think this book was written in like the nineties and he's talking about this shit and it's yeah. like, wow. And it's not, uh, necessarily big swim bait, uh, orientated, but he's talking about big bass behavior, which is obviously clearly, uh, interchangeable with swim bait fishing for giant trophy bass. <clears throat> and it's just such a kick-ass book. I've talked about it so many times on the show. And if you guys are looking to get it, please, 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 do not get it on Amazon because they're going to charge you an arm and a leg for it. Um, shit, there's a tackle company or there's a tackle shop uh, online that you can get it for like twenty dollars. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. And it's is that where you got it? Yeah, I'll tell you the name of it. Go ahead, continue what you're saying. It's like Carolina, North Carolina fishing or Carolina fishing tackle or something. Yeah, possibly. I forget. Yeah, I but but up, I was about to try to look up my email and see if I get the receipt because I only bought it like six months ago. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, it was definitely from that website because I remember it wasn't in stock for for a long time. You had to buy it on eBay. Like people wanted like sixty, seventy dollars for used yeah. copies, of it. and I finally found it on. It must have been that same tackle shop you're talking about. Yeah, so so please go buy it from over there. There's been so many listeners who have bought it and messaged me and posted like, "Holy shit, this book has has just absolutely changed my perspective." perception of of giant bass and please buy it off this website it's going to save you so much money and you know if you if you get 100 pages in and you don't like it you can sell it for 20 dollars on universe or underground so easy i'm sure but anyway so um so yeah that was that was my that was my soapbox that i had to get up and get up on and talk about but the the second part of this question and this is kind of something that I kind of want to start talking more of because I think it's super cool. So obviously you got, you, you had seen how big, excuse me, you had seen how big underground. And then at some point in time, universe and stuff was Facebook. And obviously the underground form had that. And and you talked about kind of maybe not necessarily being in the shadows, but kind of lurking and, and kind of gathering information and stuff at some point in time, did that kind of change you as a person, like make you more sociable, or, or more open-minded and kind of made more friends where like internet friends where that wouldn't have happened prior to, to being on these online forums. Um, so I wouldn't say I made a lot of friends. I, I have like a pretty, um, I have a pretty like tight niche group. There's mm-hmm. like, there's, I, I met, I met two people from, um, swim bait universe and I still talk to them regularly, like about fishing. Like, yeah you know, what they're catching them on, you know, or just kind of how the fish are acting or just kind of shooting the shit, you know, how's the fishing been and whatnot. But, um, I never really like, uh, I got like a tight group, you know, I got a tight circle and I'm not really, maybe I'm just not a sociable guy. Who knows? You know, (laughs) 
No, dude, I, I completely understand that. Like, uh, you got the homies and it's kind of like, I, maybe you don't necessarily need other people to talk to. Like, these are, these are the guys that I talk to and I shoot the shit with. Like, and that's, that's pretty much all I need are those, those are the guys no matter what type thing. Yeah, yeah. I got my buddies that like, like the guy who gave me the swim baits, you know, and back in whatever, uh, my buddy Dickie, dude, I call, he calls me like two, three times a week just to talk about fishing. I'll call him, he'll be like, how's the bite been? And we'll talk about fishing for like an hour, you know? And then, uh, you know, I won't talk to him until next week, you know? And then he, I still fish with him. I actually put him on his PB last, last fall. He caught a 515 on, on a waking crank, of course, a white waking crank. Oh, that's but, so, that's so fucking yeah. cool, dude. I'll talk to that dude. We'll, and then my brothers, both my brothers are into fishing, but my older brother, Robbie, is like into bass fishing like me. I got him on this. What I did, instead of making friends that throw swim baits, I just bought all of my friends swim baits. <laughs> dude, I have three of my best friends in, and my wife all have their PBs on swim baits that I bought for them. All the, actually, all the same swim bait, too. They all have their PV on the toxic waking crank that I bought for them. Oh, my gosh, dude. That's, that's fucking hilarious. That just goes to show, man. That bait just flat out catches them. Dude, my, my butt. So the first big fish that somebody else bought other than me was my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time, but we were fishing up in Maine. And uh, I was catching fish on the waking crank like midday. You know, twos and threes, a couple like mid threes or whatever. But I was having a lot of success. The bite was on fire. And uh, as soon as I put it down, she picked it up. And within like, that's what she does. She wait. She'll sit on the back of the boat. If I'm not catching anything, she won't pick up a rod. But if I'm catching fish, like then she'll pick up a rod. So, But she picks up my rod, my, my swim bait rod, um, you know, bait caster. It's her first year fishing. She fishes the wake and crank. And within like an hour, she catches a 512 off the back of the boat. Damn, dude. And that was her first year fishing ever. The first time I took her fishing, literally the first time she's ever been fishing in her entire life, she caught a four-pounder on a Senka. She's like, she she just has that beginner's luck. Dude, that is so badass. <laughs> yeah, I have the cat, I have the whole catch, her 512. I have the whole thing on cast to catch on my GoPro too. It was actually dude, my is... first cast to catch ever caught on my GoPro was was her. With my bait and everything sitting on my boat, catching a giant, dude. It was, it was like absolutely hilarious. That's so cool, man. That's fucking legit as hell. Well, dude, this, this is perfect. And, and you might have just talked about it because um, what has been your most memorable fish catch, whether it's yours or, or you just talked about your wife's or some of your friends, like what's been the most memorable catch with the swim bait that, that you have or even – your PB or if your PB is a different thing, we can talk about that next. But what's like the one that sticks out to you, no matter what, that's the one that just kind of takes the cake for you. Let's see one catch that sticks out to me. I mean, I guess if, if I'm going to have to go with that, it's going to be, I guess my swim bait PB of six, two, but I mean, it's not really like my most memorable catches are the ones of like other people catching big fish that like mm -hmm. I take fishing. Those are the best ones, you know, because you share them with somebody else. Like, like I said, my wife caught a, a, her biggest fish with me. My buddy Dickie, my buddy Sanch, my buddy Joe. Like, those are the ones I, I talk about with my friends. Nobody talks about my fish. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, 
it's it's memorable because you you were there to share it with them like you guys both got to live through it like like your buddy can be telling the story and you'd be like dude that no that's not how it went like you were freaking out like you were yelling at me to grab the net type thing like that's the shit that is just so cool and that's like the stuff that that you remember because it just is ingrained to you i think yeah so it's funny you say that my buddy sanchez who's like probably one of my favorite fishing buddies he uh I got him a waking crank. We're fishing like this small pond in Massachusetts that we've, we've been fishing for years. We've caught, well, I've caught like a bunch of five pounders out of it. He never really like got anything big out of it. And every time we'd go, I'd be like, Sanchez, your turn. It's your turn. Like, you know, we always hype each other up, but, um, we go there in kayaks back when I had a kayak, I ended up selling it, but, uh, he still fishes out of a kayak. So we go in there in the kayaks and, uh, he goes, all right, I'm going to try the other side of the pond. So he's like, you know, maybe a hundred yards away and I got my headphones on. I got my GoPro rolling in the front of my kayak and it's just me, you know, with my headphones on slow rolling a, a crank down, I think. And all of a sudden you can hear in the background, my buddy Sanchez going, big fish, yo, big fish. Like you can hear it faint. You know, we we're watching the video after he's like, yo, Mikey, big fish, get over here. And then you hear my phone ring and, uh, you know, I'm like, yo, you, you, you got one? You, you know, I hang up. A paddle over there he caught like a like a five pounder pitching into like a it was like a little inlet where like water flows into the pond Ooh, the fish, yeah 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 must have just been posted it was early spring like this pond it weeds out really fast if you don't get in there by you know and uh you know i'd say may like you know early may then uh, it's all weeded out completely weeded out there's almost no open water um, so this was like, you know, early in the season, pre-spawn. He pitched, pitched the wake and crank up there and absolutely smoked it. Damn, dude. But, yeah. you know, these are the stories we talk about. Like, we talk about that story all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's just so badass. And that was kind of the unfortunate thing. It even still is now. Like, now if I'm on the paddleboard, like, I bought my girlfriend a paddleboard for her birthday. So she'll come out with me and she gets to see me catch fish and we talk about it. But, like, dude, the biggest fish I've caught other than a couple on my Hinkle trout, I've been alone and which, which is fine. Like catching big fish alone is, is cool and all, but it's like, it's cool to be sitting there and then just be like, dude, can you, do you fucking remember how big that fish was? Like that thing was like ungodly big. And they're like, dude, that thing was fucking massive or, or, you know, just whatever it may be. Like, that's just such a cool story to share with somebody like a big fish on a big bait. And you, you guys can just, you know, go back and forth on, on what made that day so special. That is just the coolest thing ever. And that's the stuff that, like I said, will stick with you. And it's just like, man, that was like the coolest thing ever to share with, with my, with my buddy, with my dude or whoever it may be. Yeah, it is, dude. You know, it's all about the good times. Like I said, I'm a fun fisherman. Whatever's fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so what was what's the story behind your PB? You said six two was that I assume probably on a toxic by chance if I had to take a guess. No, that was on. Oh a fucking hell! I'd have, yeah. I'd have put a lot of money on that and I'd have lost a lot more. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yet to catch a six pounder. I've caught some high fives, a few high fives on toxics, but I have not yet caught a six pounder on toxics. I only have let's see, I only have a small handful of six pound fish on swim baits majority on jigs yeah oh yeah definitely i mean i don't i'd say i really took a tally but i don't have like you know i don't have 50 fish over six pounds i'm i, I gotta be honest i'm really not even that good at fishing you know yeah neither am i don't worry <laughs> there's so, definitely 
better people out there. You ever like there's there's some sticks out here in New England. So oh, just some like absolutely lights out big bass fishermen. I don't know how some of them do it. Yeah, dude, like getting to talk to people and kind of like just hearing it and just dude, even just seeing on universe like what these guys are doing in in other um undisclosed uh New England pages like Dude, just seeing some of these fish and like where you guys are like geographically, it's just like fuck, dude. Like they are living the life over there. Yeah, that's what it seems like anyway. But you don't see the work that gets put in too. You know, some of these guys, some of these sticks out here, they're on like you ever hear like the New England tournament on Facebook? Yeah, is that is that where like you're randomly paired up with somebody? I'm not sure exactly how the rules work. I've never actually entered it. Like I said, I never really fished a tournament, but um. But some of those guys are catching like six six pounders regularly and seven pounders almost regularly. And then you see, you know, eight roll in, sometimes a nine roll in, like a, a ten rolled in. McNeil caught a ten pounder in New England. Dang, dude. I mean, fucking hell. If you caught a ten in Michigan, like, dude, you'd probably be asked to be the next fucking governor of the state. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I feel like it's the same. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know of many fish over 10 pounds. I, I gotta be honest. I think the only fish I, I know of caught in New England, a 10 pounder, is McNeil. I've heard stories, like I've seen people's mounts and whatnot, but recently, I mean, a double digit in New England is extremely rare extremely rare i don't i don't i don't have any uh, like expectation of catching a 10 pound ever in my life maybe i should change my mindset (laughs) yeah i'm trying to find um where when like when the last recorded michigan 10 was so our, our state record is 11 pounds 15 ounces that puts it into perspective a little bit but would you say 11 pounds 15 ounces yeah yep so dude I, our record was set in 1934 <laughs> like like yeah there's, it wasn't even weighed right what'd you say it probably wasn't even weighed correctly it was probably weighed on like a fucking spring scale that was all rusty i don't yeah. try I, I don't know about you but i don't know if i trust those old records dude yeah i mean dude like and then there's Somebody caught a, a a newer one or like a newer one in like forty six or fifty six. Like it's like ah man, it's it's interesting. Like I I don't know. Oh, in twenty eighteen or twenty fifteen, an eighteen year old kid caught a nine three three in Michigan. Wow. Wait, that might have been a smallmouth. I don't know, but yeah. So I mean. Just goes to show how frequently we, we catch fish like that. <laughs> it's always like a young kid. It's always like a like a seven year old or like a birthday. Oh, that was a smallmouth, dude. That was a smallmouth? Nine pounds, you said? Yeah. Holy shit. Fuck, I don't even know when the last ten was caught. But anyway. Uh-huh. Michigan, it must have been out of the Great Lakes, right? Uh smallmouth? Uh yeah, probably. Uh well, dude, I don't know. This year we've been having some big ass smallmouth be caught like i mean i'm seeing guys like normal normal guys as in like guys who are always fishing and and normally catching seven eight pound smallmouth this year like on a regular basis wow that's that's that is that's kind of crazy that's a big smallmouth those things must fight like a freight train dude i can't even imagine i would say um 
I would not be surprised if in the next two to three years, Michigan breaks the smallmouth state record once, if not twice. Because that one they caught this year, that new Canadian record, um, that one was, you know, there's a good possibility that that fish could have been in, in Michigan waters. And, you know, I would not be surprised if somebody caught one that big this spring when they're pushing up to a spawn. Like, dude, there's some big fucking fish around here for sure. Big smallmouth, I will say. Yeah, and smallmouth, like, pound for pound fight, like, way better than mine. Especially, I fish, I, I'm near the river, river, and there's a uh-huh. lot of, especially the river, there's a lot of smallmouth, but, like, a four-pound smallmouth river will dude, fight. will you. Oh, too, they will, they hug you. I actually, t- I actually caught a four-two. I tied my, um, my PB smallie this spring, and, uh, I thought I caught a beaver, legitimately. There was like a beaver swimming all around my line. Yeah. At the hook, and I was like, oh, shit, I must have caught the beaver's foot. And then, like, I saw the beaver swim away, and then it started head shaking. Yeah, dude, a a four-pound river smallmouth will beat the snot out of a very large, large mouth. Like, I, I obviously oh, yeah. don't know, but it would definitely do some damage to probably a seven-pound large mouth. Yeah, without a doubt. The pound for pound, that four two probably fought. So my six pounder, my six pound largemouth, the the one I caught on the PB rat, that was um, that was also caught out of a river. Any river fish fights like ten times harder than a lake fish. I love fishing. Mm-hmm. They're they're a lot harder to fish. It took like a while to figure them out, but uh, river fish are like a blast. I feel like river fish are a lot more active too. You can catch river fish on louder baits, like uh, baits that thump harder. You can catch river fish like with with baits that move faster. Where like if I fish ponds and lakes, I tend to fish slower for some reasons. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, but I've had success. You know that seems to where I've had my success. Like when I fish a lake, if I'm fishing up on a point, most of the time I'm slow rolling something. Mm-hmm. I'm either slow rolling a crank down. Slow rolling a wake, slow rolling a glide, or slow rolling uh, like a. I've been fishing the um, three sixteen rising cones a lot lately. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I do. I just slow roll baits, you know. You, uh, but and when I fish rivers, uh, I can fish fast, and I get. I, I feel like I get a lot more aggressive strikes, and you get uh, harder fighting fish too, you know. Yeah, I think those. Those river fish, dude, it's like they just don't give a fuck. They're pissed at the world. They'll eat anything. They're the bad kids on the block. They don't care what they got to do, but they're going to chase a bait down. They're going to smack the piss out of it, and then they're going to fight for you know three to five minutes hardcore, and then they're going to give up. Yeah, well, they got to fight a current just to live. You know, yeah. I think that's what makes them stronger. It must be what – I mean, that's, that's what I always figure, what makes them stronger – they have to fight a current to live like a trout, you know, you have like a, you know, a, 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 a trout, obviously that live in rivers. They're wicked strong because they're swimming up, up, up river, you know, fighting a current. They're working out all day. Yeah. And they just, you know, they're just pissed at the world. It's, it's kind of like everybody always talks about how people up North are, are pissy and like just, just hardcore people. Cause they have to deal with the winter and like just the shitty weather. And that's exactly like smallmouth and riverfish are the same way because they got to deal with that damn current all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
Did we talk about the the six two your PB or did we kind of graze over that? So yeah, we can talk about it. I'll tell you the story about my six two. So um, the same guy, my buddy Dicky, same guy who gave me the swim base yep. back. In, he um, he asked me to go out fishing on like a Tuesday, and I I really wasn't up for it. But um, when anybody asks me to go fishing, I'm always down. Like I just work like a ten hour day. I'm tired. I got home at like five o'clock. We really only had like maybe three hours to fish. And that included loading the boat, driving to the place, driving to the spot, you know, and then, you know, by the time we got out there, we really only had like an hour and a half to fish. Right. But anyway, we went and the, uh, the bite was absolutely on fire. I got a few big blow up, blow ups, caught a few fish. I think I caught a four pounder. We got all pumped up. We left. And then the next day, um, Again, like I, I was tired, I didn't really want to go fishing, but I thought I was onto a bite. You know, I got on a bite. When you get on, when I get on a bite, like I, I can't help myself but go. I get like obsessed, right? So this bite was going on on the river, and so I go back, and um, I knew where the fish were hanging out. There's like the river, the river kind of cuts out, and there's like a little dead spot, like a like an eddy, and there's a big tree that hangs there, and that's where I had seen the fish hanging out. I could see them fish on my fish finder like driving over the end of it right so um i waited till the just the right time i waited right when the sun was going down to make one cast at this spot like i fished up river where i where i kind of didn't know if fish were going to be biting and i i went there just to make one cast so i sneak up on the spot kind of fishing around in the area i make my one cast Bait hits the water. I walk the bait a few times. It's the PV rat. I'm throwing it on that BLK 710. My same old retrieve every time. Walk the bait a few times and then start reeling. As soon as I start reeling, the 6-2 took it under. And um, I have it on catch to catch. You can watch it on my Instagram. And then I went to, you know, I'm fighting it all the way to the boat. I went to grab the net and I had shut the net in the, the hatch to my to my boat. Oh, to like tackle. locker. Yeah. Like, yeah, the rod locker. Well, not the rod locker. So I got the fish boat side. It's barely skin hooked by one hook. And I go to grab the net and it doesn't come up. So I kind of just throw the net down and I was able to lift the fish. I got it in. I was all pumped. I usually don't. Uh, the excitement doesn't hit me till like till I'm like going home. So, you know, my heart's obviously beaten. Take a couple photos with it. Get a weight let it go and then you know then then i start getting excited call calling all my buddies yo i went down that fucking spot i caught a six pounder you know and, you know that's that but damn dude i mean that sounds sounds like a damn blast did you fish that spot where you did you try to replicate that bike that bite the next couple times you went out there or was it just like nah that was might have been the last time that there was going to be a big fish sitting in there for the time being no, no, that bite went on for like a good week. And oh, I tried to get all my, so this is what I'll do, right? When I get on a bite like that, I start calling my buddies and I'll be like, yo, I'm on a bike. You want to catch fish? Come on up, right? So I hit up my buddy, Joe, who lives in the same town as me. And I'm like, yo, I'm on a bike. Who knows how long it's going to last? Let's go tomorrow. So we went the next day and ended up dumping a pretty big one um, that next night. And uh, I capitalized on that bite for like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe three, four days. And then it went away and then the fish just disappeared. That bite didn't come back until I'm hoping this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like follow the bites around here. So like 
I have everything written down. Like that bite went on at this point and, you know, I'm going to try to see if I can replicate it this year. Like the, the four, two, I caught the Smalley that I caught this spring. Mm-hmm. I knew that fish was going to be there. It's these fish only come into this one area one time a year. They're what it is, is the fall fish spawn in there. And, um, the Smalley's come up and just have a field day on the fall fish one time a year in, in the spring. And I had fished that spot for like a week and a half without a single sniff. But I knew at any moment the fish were going to come in. I was basically just stalking. And they're big fish. You know, I'm not talking about like last year I caught a four-pounder. My buddy caught a high three. And then this year I caught a four-two. And then my buddy Sanchez caught a four, I think, eight or four-nine. Small. He beat my PB. I took him up to my spot. He beat my PB. That bastard. Yeah, but like I'm trying to like track these bites because it mm-hmm. – if you if you catch a fish in a certain area at a certain time, you let it go back in that spot, it's gonna come back again. Yeah, you know, it's not a fluke that they're there. You just gotta figure out when they come back, why they come back, and what's gonna get them to bite. Yeah, um, I mean that's kind of how the spot that I fish up at home is. There's a, a good calendar week that you can guarantee that they're gonna be pushing back up into this spot. Whereas when they leave, I'm not too sure, but I mean, it's like clockwork as far as calendar and then daily activity. I mean, if you go out there, it's hard not to catch a fish if you're doing all the right stuff. And because, because they're so predictive and because it's, it hasn't changed in the last four years that I've been doing it, which is kind of nice, but that's also, um, it's also kind of what stunned me with swim bait fishing because it got so boring and so repetitive that I didn't have to try to find a new bite and I was catching them the same way every time I wasn't trying anything new and that was kind of the turnoff for me for for a couple months but luckily obviously the the kindle got or the flame got rekindled and and here I am now but and I mean I took that stuff for granted and now that I live away and I get to go back home and visit and, and visit that spot again it just is like oh my gosh I cannot believe that I ever got bored doing this like when I get home, that's literally all I want to do is go to this spot and fish every morning I'm there because it's like, fuck, dude, like I wish I had this where I'm at now. Yeah, but be careful because then you can burn it out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like, I, dude, I honestly, the thing is, is it's connected to Lake Michigan. So I think that it's just different oh, fish pushing through all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, in that case, you could. there's probably millions of fish that cycle through, you know. Yeah, and it's just like it's when I when I go up there next time, I'll I'll have to post some pictures and stuff and some videos. But like I have a kid up there who you know, he drives an hour to fish this spot and he'll fish like twice a week and he just hammers these fish. And uh I mean, it's it's just and then there's there's the same exact so every pier, like every lake that connects to Lake Michigan, I am very confident on the west side of the state you can replicate this bite like the same exact thing, catching all these same fish. And it's just, I don't know, dude. It's like, it's, it's like a fucking life hack. Like <laughs> the, just, just these yeah. spots. It's so cool. And, and like I said, I took it for, took it for granted when I lived up there and, and moving away gave me a newfound appreciation for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. But, uh, is, did, did, uh, we obviously, we had some notes and stuff and some, and some questions wrote down. Is there anything that you had had written down that, that we didn't touch on or we kind of grazed over that you want to kind of go a little bit deeper with? 
I mean, I got to be honest. I jumped around so much, like that. Yeah, I know. That's that's like that. that I told you. I'm like, yeah, we'll go. We'll start talking about some random stuff and go down a rabbit hole about you know whatever it may be, and then we'll circle back and we'll just completely forget where we are. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I figured that we go off on some tangent. I do yeah. have, I do have some things listed here, like the um, like the baits I'm fishing right now, like oh, the baits. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like when I go out, I usually have uh, wade hogs. And I'm talking if I was to go fishing tomorrow. Right. I'd, and it depends on what to, but I'd probably have a wade hogs, um, a PB rat if I was fishing morning or night. But if it was daytime, I'd be throwing, without a doubt, the 316 Rising Sun. From Between the last fall and this, and this summer, I'm really starting to get uh, figure that bait out. I think that thing's going to catch a big fish for me. I started fishing the TK in the spring. I've been fishing that all the way through the summer. It kind of slowed down. I feel like the TK bite kind of slowed down once the once the water got warm. But um, and I also just got a psycho gill and a psycho trout. So I'm usually trying to catch a fish on one of those. I threw the psycho gill this spring a lot, and I don't know if it was me, but I missed three big bites, and they were all right at my feet. I saw, like, I saw the fish swipe at him. So I put bigger hooks on, and I'm hoping to have better luck with that thing. Because they come with a short shank hooks, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. if this is them, but I couldn't believe I missed some of these hookups. So I put longer hooks on it. I'm going to try that. But, uh, yeah, the Wade Hogs, PB Rat, uh, Micro Mink, Wake and Crank, Sherpa Gill. Um, I'll still throw a Chad Chad. When I go up to the mountain lakes, um, you know, deeper places, I'll throw a Chad Chad. I absolutely love the Chad Chad. And the uh, 316 Gilglide. I absolutely love that 316 Gilglide. I lost that same place I told you about, that like eight, nine pound bass that followed yep. my buddy's bait. I fished there last summer. And I only get to fish there like once a year because the kid who uh, has access to it isn't like really huge into fishing. So I got to like coax him into taking me to this. Yeah, summer. yeah. <laughs> but um, I fished for eight hours. I threw this Gilglide for eight hours straight and I finally hooked up on it. And the fish pulled the hooks almost right at the boat. And it seemed like a, a really good fish. So I got to throw that thing some more, too. But uh, other than that, like, all my, everything's, like, all jumbled around, so. Yeah, and I feel like it's, I don't know, man. Like, everybody I've seen and talked to from from New England, it just seems like wake baits and, and crankdowns and stuff are just kind of the jam over there like those fish are just always eating that stuff from from what i've seen like you know the pg and the and the psycho trout are like dude the guys are always fucking catching fish on those baits out there those are those two baits are staples in new england yeah and i mean fuck for good reason that's i mean i guess that's just all i can yeah. say and and there i mean we've talked about um scrutiny scrutiny and i have kind of talked about wanting to do like a big swap meet in new england like kind of like a gathering type thing but obviously a little bit smaller like me coming out there and just just doing like a big get together meet and greet type thing and dude if i come out there there is not no way in hell that i'm not fishing while i'm out there like i am definitely getting on somebody's crawdad or somebody's boat or on the bank or something and i'm catching myself a new england wake bay fish (laughs) Oh yeah, without a doubt. There's probably pl- you you you're big in the swim bait community now. I'm sure there's plenty of people dying to take you out on there, but you always got an open seat on the back of my boat. Can't tell you I'm gonna put you on any big fish or anything, but uh, you know, 
we'll give oh, it dude, a shot. I don't catch big fish here, so that's okay. Nothing new. Just just to just to catch one out there would just make my fucking day, make my year just to witness what everybody out there talks about. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely good fishing up here. This area, like close to Boston, even like southern New Hampshire, is is really congested with fishermen now though. The past like I don't know, maybe two, three years, ever since COVID, there's like two or three times the amount of fishermen on the water now. And it kind of sucks. So typically either I'm fishing super local. When I say super local, I mean within like 10 minutes of my house or I'm driving like two to three hours where it's, where it's less congested. Wow. Two to three hours. Dang, dude, that's fucking, I mean, that's, I guess that's how I, that's how far I drive to, to go fish at home. But I don't think I couldn't imagine doing that like a couple times a week to go out and, and catch some fish. Like around here, the fishing shit, but I can, I can get away with not fishing for a couple weeks at a time and just save up all my excitement and, and energy to go fish up at home a couple days. But fuck, dude, that is, it's not even that it's busy down here. It's just like the fishing is nothing compared to what it is up there, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same around here. The fishing is definitely better um, in the less congested areas. Yeah, um, yeah. Less, less human trafficked and populated. Boston. Yeah, man. Um, Wrapping it up here, what uh, some brand shout outs and the social media plugs? Yeah, so I mean, I don't really have any brand shout outs for you. I mean, like shout out to F5. He's been making me some great rods. All the bait companies I use that support me, Toxic, KGB, 316, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, uh, you know, really a brand guy, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> as far as shout outs, I mean, I don't know. Shout out to my father for getting me into fishing at such an early age. I guess my wife for you know, being so supportive, listening to all my fishing stories once I get off the water. You know, she's like my biggest fan. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, it's always nice to to have your significant other maybe not necessarily be interested, but but like kind of share that excitement when you come home and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I fucking slap the piss out of them and they, and they want to hear about it. Like that's always like, oh, okay. Like no matter if my friends give a shit or not, like I can have somebody to talk to and they, they can at least radiate some of the energy back to me and make me like, okay, well I, I feel better that I told somebody now type thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I get off the water, I get like a missed bite or I catch a big fish or something cool happens. Like I come home and she's the first one I tell and she listens to my story. She's, she's the same. She's the same. Heck yeah, dude, that's awesome. What about uh, what's the Instagram uh, account for anybody who doesn't follow you and want to check out the cast catches and pictures and stuff you have? My Instagram is bass underscore the underscore east, so bass the east. And I have I have a YouTube too. I probably I have like over fifty good cast catches on oh, film. Yeah, yeah, but I I set them all to private so people don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go to my spot. I think maybe I'll, maybe I'll like maybe I'll release a video or two once this uh, podcast comes out. Some someone's got something to watch. But that's Bass the East as well. I think just Bass Space the Space East. Hell yeah, dude! And yeah. Uh, like always, I'll make it super easy for anybody to go uh, follow you. If they don't, they can just pop over and pop over in the show notes and go to the go to the description and and see uh, your Instagram and, and YouTube channel. So if and when you upload on YouTube, they can uh, they can be there to watch it. But uh, yeah, like I said, um, <clears throat> Mike's stuff will be be in the show notes. You guys can go follow him, and I'll obviously tag him on the Instagram posts and stuff, so you guys go go check his stuff out and see see some of the fish. It's always cool 
when people when guys talk about fish and then like i go on their instagram account and i'm like oh my gosh like this is the story told about this fish like it's so cool because you know i have a, i have knowledge on this fish that he shared a picture of it's not you know a, a 400 text um you know 400 character write-up that he just put underneath this fish that you know I, I get to know what went into catching this fish and you know what kind of cast he made and stuff so that's always super cool super yeah, super yeah. cool yeah thanks for having me on the show agent yeah, dude, for sure. And uh, like always, um, if you guys like the podcast, make sure you give it a rating on your listening platform. Helps out the show quite a bit, as well as uh, follow the insta or follow the podcast Instagram. And and I, I changed it when when you guys are listening to this, it'll be a couple weeks. But I changed it today when we're recording, so it's scales and tails underscore media now. So we're doing the zine and and the podcast, and we've got some other stuff kind of in the on the back burner that we're working on currently that'll that'll be coming around soon. So I felt like media was a was a good change of pace, and I wasn't going to make a whole new page. So scales and tails underscore media on Instagram, as well as uh, make sure if you guys um, want early access to the zine and, and pick them up before anybody else, can you check out the Patreon as well as automatically getting entered into the uh, monthly giveaway? And speaking of zine, so. Um, this, this third issue of the zine will be coming out at the gathering. So you guys can get it at the gathering. That'll be the only place to get them right off the bat. But I'm thinking about opening a pre-order a week before. So the guys who aren't at the show, um, by the time I get back into town, I can ship them out that week and you guys will have them just a couple days after the gathering. So I think that's probably what we're going to do, but, uh, I'll obviously post about that a little bit more when the time gets a little bit closer. We're still about a month away when we're recording this. So got some time still and got some, uh, got a couple little things I'm working on for that as well. But as always, I want to thank Mike for coming on. I appreciate him, uh, him joining us and getting to share some, some new England stories and kind of his, uh, his life story on, on fishing and, and swim bait stuffs in general, obviously, cause that's what we, uh, focus on here at Scales and Tails. But like I said, I want to thank Mike for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys.